Welcome to Antioch Raleigh's weekly online sermon. We hope that you are encouraged by this word. For more information on Antioch Raleigh or access to our other online sermons, visit us at AntiochRaleigh.com. We've been talking about emotionally and relationally healthy spirituality. And we're going to kind of be carrying that on, that theme, really for the next, well, it's going to be one of the major themes for this year. We're going to interrupt ourselves and we're going to take breaks off of that particular subject. But part of the reason it's so critically important for all of us, as we kind of look at this from a fully orbed perspective, is that I've lived long enough and I've experienced enough and I've met enough people that have walked with Jesus for a season and generally when they quit doing it or quit pursuing the Lord or they kind of give up or they throw up their hands, it's usually not the devil making them do it. He doesn't have to. They sabotage themselves. They practice some things that actually undermine where they want to go. And often it's relationally and it is emotionally self-destructive tendencies that um, very often could have been avoided. And sometimes they could have been avoided if they'd just simply known about them. Or at least they could have had an inkling, wait a minute, maybe this is not just happening to me. Maybe I'm doing a self-induced wound. And the reason this, te- this teaching that I'm going to share today changed my life. And I am unashamedly going to basically steal everything I can from my mentor who gave me this. And his name was Bob Mumford. He's a Bible teacher, an incredible insight and wisdom. And I I only, you know, sometimes Bob shows up here and I was hoping he would be here so he could kind of tell me if I did it right this morning, but that's okay. One of the, let's go to, let's go to the scripture. I want to open up with a scripture out of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter seven, verse one through four. And uh, I'm going to be reading from the NIV. When the Lord your God brings you into the land you are entering to possess and drives out before you many nations, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, seven nations larger and stronger than you, and when the Lord your God has delivered them over to you, you are, and you have defeated them, you must destroy them totally. Make no treaty with them. Show them no mercy. Do not intermarry with them. Do not give your daughters to their sons or take their daughters for your sons, for they will turn your children away from following me to serve other gods." Now, it's really interesting, this, these seven nations are listed throughout the Scripture. Sometimes they'll throw in a few extras because there's these half-tribes of these nations, but consistently throughout, even in the New Testament, in, in, um, um, the, the, when Stephen is preaching, 
before he's martyred. And when Paul is preaching, they make reference to these seven nations. This is not an incidental incident in the, in the Scripture. God has a plan for us to understand this. So what were these nations? Well, these nations were often called giants. And in fact, we're going to refer to them as the seven giants. And here's why. When the children of Israel approached the promised land, after they, they escaped in the exodus from Egypt, and the Lord gave them the Ten Commandments, and they were getting ready to go into the promised land, Moses sent 12 spies. And those 12 spies were instructed to go spy out the land. That's things spies do. They want to tell you what the strength and weaknesses of and what's there. And they came back, and 10 of the, the spies were terrified because of what they saw. They said, these are giants. They, we are like grasshoppers to them. And two of the spies said, wait a minute. You guys haven't been watching what... You haven't been watching the same TV shows I've been watching. I mean, everywhere we go, we conquer our enemies as long as we obey the Lord. And surely we, he will give us authority. Well, the rest of them talked the rest of the children of Israel into not entering into the promised land. And the Lord said, well, you guys are going to get to spend the next 40 years wandering around in the desert. And you're not going to enter the promised land, but... You two spies that had faith and believed, you're going to get to do it, but it's going to be 40 years from now. Which goes to show you, there is a collective kind of situation. God always looks not just at you individually, but us together. It is not enough for us to have a walk with Jesus, me and Jesus, and it's just me and Jesus. That's me and Jesus and you and me together. And that's why we have the body. And that's why it's really important that we stay connected with each other, even when we don't particularly always like and enjoy each other. In fact, that might be one of the giants. Okay, so I'm not going to get into all the etymological and historical background of these seven giants. But one of the things that Bob did years ago is he kind of distilled these seven giants into seven phrases that are really individual characteristics that express succinctly the ungoverned, uncrucified desires that compulsively and almost without explanation erupt in our life. And these seven giants are the following. The first giant is the look-good giant. The next giant is the feel-good giant. The next giant is the be-right giant. The next giant is the stay-in-control, baby, giant. The next giant is hidden agenda. The next giant is personal advantage. And the final giant is undisturbed. And you're, you're probably going, hmm, I'm not, how do, how do you get that out of those seven names? Well, it's really fascinating when you do a lot of the re historical research. Every one of these nations, these people groups, these giants, manifested some of these kind of major characteristics in the way they dealt with everyone around them. And so 
One of the things we want to do is I'm going to just jump right in. We're not going to be able to cover all of those because um, we're going to take a couple of weeks or maybe more than a couple of weeks to unpack these giants. But what? let me just make a confession here. When I heard this teaching, I really loved this teaching because it helped me recognize all the giants in everybody around me. But then I started hating this teaching because I started recognizing all the giants that were inside of me. And remember, it's not what comes at you that counts. It's what comes out of you that counts. See, that is what the kingdom of God is all about. He's changing what comes out of us. Living waters that come flowing out of us. And the scripture makes it very clear that when we learn to walk in the Spirit... We will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. And this is what these giants represent. But these desires are there. And, and, I, and let, me, let me just say this, because I think one of the, the glorious truths that I began to step into about 25 years ago was that I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm not just a sinner saved by grace. That, that transpired when I met Jesus. But now I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And so one of the things that we begin to understand is that we're not just sinners. We have an incredible fountainhead of resource spiritually to live and be like Jesus. Now having said that, the Bible is not just a Pollyannish little, oh yeah, now everything's good, book. <laughs> That's why Jesus said in Luke, in several places, you got to take up your cross. And he didn't mean just one time, he said daily. So what's that about? I mean, if, if I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, and, and I believe that, then what's this whole cross thing about? Well, because what begins to happen is it's like the dross begins to rise up in you as a young believer, and all of a sudden you've got an opportunity to kill that giant, and that's, that's the topic of my sermon for the next few weeks, is slaying your giants. And you only get to kill it when you drag it there with yourself to the cross. You don't get to drag it there without you. You get to drag it there with you. And then you have to get up on the cross yourself. It's take up my cross. Or not Jesus' cross, but your cross. You see, the cross that was for Jesus can't be the cross for you. The cross he died on paid for your sin. The cross you choose is what separates you from your sin. It's the one that gives you freedom from it. This isn't about condemnation. Condemnation has been dealt with through the cross of Jesus. This is about freedom. So you can begin to walk in the freedom that you have been set free for. And so part of our dilemma is that so many of us stay entangled in the things that we've been set free from. And everybody that's ever been a walked with Jesus for more than about 35 minutes can tell you that. And so 
a lot of them, therefore, don't believe that they're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. They just believe they're terrible, no good, wicked sinners, and thank God he made me saved. And I'm just going to live like the devil for the rest of my life. No, that's not the gospel. That's not the good news. But we are in a fight, and it's a hand-to-hand fight. And we've got to face these giants. And we can't have any mercy with these giants. Part of the reason we can't have any mercy with these giants is because it will affect not only our lives, but the lives of our descendants for generations. Which is one of the reasons some of us have family problems that are just almost insurmountable, and you can see it for one generation after another. And so at some point, somebody has got to rise up and say, I'm going to kill that giant. And I don't care if he's standing in the middle of the valley shouting and scaring everybody. I'm going to go kill him with some stones. And I'm going to use his own sword to cut his head off. Because I have a covenant with my God. He's uncircumcised, which means he doesn't have a covenant. I have a covenant with the God who made me. And because of that, I'm going to kill that giant. And he was one of the giants. He's one of the more famous giants, Goliath. And we all love that story. (coughs) So let's look at the feel-good giant. See, the giants are like, okay, so you're in the promised land. Okay, you're coming in. This is your inheritance. And what's your inheritance? It's the many promises of God. Every promise that is available to you there's a, there's, a, there's a giant that wants to guard against you receiving that. James 3. Do you all have James 3 to pull up? Can you pull it up? There it is. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives that you may spend them on, spend what you get on your pleasures. So, James is addressing this to Christians. He's not talking to unbelievers. He's he's talking to those who are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So he's he's actually doing some correction here. He's he's doing some... some, he's He's not trying to condemn them. He's trying to get them to understand. This is not who you're created to be. But you have to deal with these things. And so this this look good deal... Let me ask you this. Have any of you ever been attempted to tell somebody about something that you accomplished that you exaggerated just a little bit? I mean, I certainly have never done that. (laughs) No, I mean, how many of us have ever been tempted to lie on a resume? Did you know that nearly every... I've I've talked to... uh, HR person said, everybody lies on the resume. I go, what? Yeah, everybody lies on the resume. I mean, just some of the words, those grandiose words. Nobody just says, well, you know, I was a project manager, and about half my projects didn't really, weren't very profitable. I mean, nobody ever does that, okay? I mean, the other half are okay. We made a profit. That's why I didn't get fired. Because that's the way it is in most. But you know, all I talk about is all those great profitable projects that I managed. Right? I mean, why do we do that? Because we, what, what do we want to do? Look good. 
We want to keep the job. We want to get the job. We want to lie to get the job, don't we? I mean, that's really what we're doing. See, the look good giant makes me willing to compromise everything I believe just to maintain status. It's the kind of thing that actually makes me very untrustworthy. And some people go, well, I don't know why people don't trust me. Because you always want to look good. (laughs) Jesus said this, beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father who's in heaven. God's unimpressed. It's kind of like, oh, you know, how you doing, Steve? Oh, doing great. I'm just really in the spirit. I fasted for three days. How about you? And the Lord says, you got your reward. They're impressed a little bit, also a little irritated with you. You know, I say this, I love North Carolina's motto. If you don't remember it, you ought to. It's to be rather than to seem. But the good, the look good giant says to seem rather than to be. It basically craves positions. It, cra- it craves titles. It's really stuck on being a title. And I, I, I just... Look, I went through that season where it was really important for me to have titles. I I remember the first time I got a vice president title, which, you know, they kind of pass those out just so they don't have to pay you more. Truth be known. But, you know, when you're young and dumb, you go, I got a title. At least I got a title. I mean, I got a pay increase, but I got a title. I look good, right? So I said this to my dad. I was a vice president. He said, that probably just means more work. He sounds like me now. I sound like him. The point is, vanity provokes us to actually sell our soul. And this is, I'm not talking about really bad human beings. I'm talking about people saved by the blood of the Lamb. You start a business, and you've never run a business, and you've never actually... But what do you try to convince the people that are now your new customers? What do you have to do? Do you, do you lie to them a little, just a little bit? Do you shade? Do, does your inte- do, or do you say, I, I've, I've just started this company. I've never run, owned a company. I've never run one. But I did work for somebody, and I, did, I, I believe I did, you know, did a good job. And uh, you can see what I'm building over here. Right? I mean, some of us, see, the whole world is based on celebrity these days. And what is celebrity? It's about image. And when somebody kind of breaks the image, everybody gets all freaked out. They were always like that. What are you kidding me? Are you, are you act? I mean, why is it even news? I mean, it, but it is. It's news because we, we thought he was more noble than that. Well, I mean, the guys, he, it's, it's all about image. It's acting if you didn't pay attention to the term. But the thing is, we all do that. There's a, there's a high degree of it sometimes because we want to act like we're something that we're not. Insatiable drive for fame and recognition, inordinate concern for reputation and image. Oh, here's a good one. This look good. It, it 
paralysis. When asked to go against the public tide of opinion, when it comes to biblical truth. I was just talking to a, a, a church planner and a pastor today, and he was saying, he was in this mega church here in Raleigh, and he said the guy was just saying, you know, that um, we, we need to not be calling out sin in the church or the world because, you know, Jesus died for sinners. And that, I mean, I really agree with that doctrine, that Jesus died for sinners. But if they're not sinners, then what did he die for? He died for sinners, not nice people that are perfect. And how do you know what it's sin unless you call it sin? And the whole world is filled with people that are, then the church is getting filled up with this kind of motivation. Where we don't want to actually, because we might be misunderstood or even disliked a little bit. So we, we never say anything about abortion as a way to kill innocent babies. And we have nothing to say about gender confusion because everybody seems to be confused about that. I just heard that Disney is now no longer calling boys and girls boys and girls. I've just thought, well, Disney's not getting my money anymore. I, I, I'm just telling you, the world has gone insane, and you don't have to go insane with them. But the world really wants you to. It really wants you to look good like they think they look good. And in fact, if you're under the subjection of the look good giant, it doesn't matter how insane they are in their judgment of you, you'll want their approval. Because the ultimate of the look good approval is the fear of man. And Americans tend to really like to be liked. And there's nothing terribly wrong with that except when it gets into this, I would rather be liked than to love truth. I would rather sell truth down the road than to stand in the middle of the stream going the wrong way. Because I'm not really concerned about looking good except to one person in the universe. The audience of one is the only one that I want to look good in front of. So, what's the opposite of this look good? What's the fruit? Well, humility, peace, contentment, gratefulness, thankfulness. Being willing to... Humility. It's almost amazing how every one of these giants, we're going to find the best way to defeat them is always humility. Almost always. <laughs> it's the first step. But the other one is contentment. Learning how to be grateful for what you have and not try to be who you aren't already. Knowing that you're going to someday grow and become more than you are, but you want to get there authentically and not inauthentically. The problem with the look good giant, too, is it creates people who are filled with anxiety. And, I, and I'm going to just say this. This is just uh, somebody 
uh, said to me that they were teaching somewhere that anxiety is basically sin <laughs> and that um, some people came up to them and said, well, you know, you shouldn't teach that anxiety is sin because, you know, we're anxious and, you know, we can't help it. And, you know, we're, you know, there's a lot of anxiety in the world and there's a lot of trouble. And Jesus kept saying, no, I, I didn't give you anxiety. I gave you peace. I, the, 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 the world gives you trouble. I give you peace. Now that's the message of Jesus. And you go, well, see, are you saying it's sin? I don't know what you call it. I don't want it. And I don't want to agree with it. And I don't want to make it something I embrace as a lifestyle. And if I am embracing anxiety as a lifestyle, it's just indicative. I'm probably making nice with one of these giants in my life. And so part of what we need to understand is that I have to slay the giant. I can't negotiate with it. It will kill me if I don't kill it. Okay? So that's the look good giant, and that's one of seven that we're going to go over, and I'm 17 seconds over, and I'm going to call it quits today. We only got one giant. You know, nobody's clapping as loud as the children's workers. All right, let's pray. Let's all stand up. Lord, this morning, we do not want to be subject to any of the nations that are stronger than we are. They've had years and years of deceiving and seducing and subverting your people from their assignment in the kingdom. And Lord, this morning, we want to renounce the need to look good. I'm not talking about beauty or attractiveness. I'm talking about those false impressions, those inauthentic lies that we, those little white lies that we try to make impression and we leave false impression to create an illusion about who we really aren't. Lord, that we would be in the state of North Carolina, the people that are what they see. So today I just want you to renounce the works of darkness. That's one of the phrases that Paul used. He said, I want you to, I want you to, we have, we have renounced duplicity. We've re, we have renounced false presentation. Lord, I ask that this group of people would be the most authentic, real people, the most trustworthy people in Raleigh, North Carolina. That people that come out of Antioch would be the real deal, even when we don't always look the best. But that people can know that somehow they can trust us because we are not trying to be and pretend to be something we're not. I want to give any person here that has not met Jesus and would like to give their heart to Jesus and you're saying you know I got a lot of that in my life and I want to abandon that now's the time to do it 
Now's the time to embrace the cross of Jesus, that he died and paid for your sins. If that would be you, I just want you to pray a prayer right now in your heart. Say, Lord, I want to give my life to you. I, I want to surrender everything to you. I, I yield my life to you, and I am willing to embrace your life for me. I'm willing to embrace your lordship over my life. And if that would be you, I want you to come forward and talk to somebody. I'm going to ask some elders and life group leaders to come up here. We always pray for people at the end of our services, always. And the reason we do is we believe that Jesus heals sick people. We, I don't care if you've been prayed for 50 times and nothing's happened. Come forward and get prayer. If you have a debilitating sickness, a muscular pain, if you have arthritis, I just feel like God's got a wants to heal some arthritis here. If you just need somebody to pray with you about something, I want you to come forward. We're continuing to worship. And you know, it's amazing. When any two or three are gathered, and there's sometimes you just need to be with another believer and say, I need prayer for this. One of the hard things about people that need to look good is they never want to admit they need anything. In fact, Bob shares a story about a, in a safe, safe, face-saving culture of, of J Japan, a guy fell off of a ladder and he was uh, so ashamed that he'd fallen off the ladder. He went in and, and people were saying, can I help you? He went into the closet and about 15 minutes later, somebody opened the closet and he was dead. Because he was so, he was trying to save face. He was trying to look good. Sometimes you just need somebody to pray for you. I know I do. So, if that would be you, please don't hesitate to come and get prayer this morning. If you, get, if you need to have do business with Jesus, please come forward. Amen.